Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. Revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 42, Live, Laugh, Love. Content warning. We're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up, so if you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. We still love you. Now close the window. And go do laundry or something. Get after it. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about a whole bunch of stuff before we talk about anything that we're supposed to talk about? And I don't even know how to talk about what we're supposed to talk about without talking about things we're not supposed to talk about first. Because <laughs> that's what inspires me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the episode's about what gets us fired up and what we're trying to put out into the world, um, which is... A timely topic because I have been talking to a lot of people recently sort of about the universal harmonics, universal vibrations, using a guitar string as an analogy, but more more importantly, probably a a rock in a still lake and where do the waves go? Maybe the butterfly effect. I don't really know what that means. A butterfly on one side of the world flaps its wings and it causes a tsunami right but that doesn't make any sense i don't know where we are right now cause and effect (laughs) your voice is so sexy today can we detour into that (laughs) (laughs) it Uh, sounds like you've been having yelled conversations in a loud bar for (laughs) like eight days i talked for a long time with this guy last night like over several drinks uh his name's bryce manick and he was the editor at Bike Magazine for a long time. And now he now he does uh, Free Ride Magazine, right? Mm-hmm. I think. I don't, That's I'll, a thing. I, I probably got that wrong. Um, but I hadn't seen him in a long time. And the last time I did see him, we or the last exchange we had, which was several years ago, we had a little bit of a falling out. So we spent some time this past weekend uh kind of rebuilding the connection he's a he's a really really smart guy like former war correspondent and journalist and he is like actual journalist and he's seen some shit in his career wow. and now he now he is like wholly committed to cycling publications like physical publications of which there are not many anymore right and so, so you had a long conversation with him and you fell back in after falling out? Yeah, we're good. Oh, good. Uh, you, what you did know, you I mean, throw at him previously that caused him to be mad at you? Uh, uh that's not really important. I, right. felt, I felt slighted by, by bike and he felt slighted by my, my being feeling slighted. Oh. So whatever, the magazine doesn't exist anymore. He's gone to greener pastures. I don't, 
care. That's kind of the funny thing about like squashing beef with people is that all it takes is it, unless it's a big thing, it's not a big thing. Like, you know, somebody ripped you off for tens of thousands of dollars or something. That's a kind of a hard one to let go or killed your dog or something. But because this was a really simple thing, it was really, it was basically like a hand slap and you know, you good? Yeah, you good? Sweet. Onward. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, so pebble, pebble in the water, uh, analogy, uh, talking about what, what influence you, you want to have and oh, the yeah. importance of maintaining, uh, what kind of an, what, what, what kind of an impression do you want to make? You know, how do you want to influence people? And because I have been so profoundly influenced by two people in particular, unbeknownst to them for three decades. And I finally got the opportunity to let both of them know individually what kind of influence they had on me and how in one case, you know, best case scenario, this person allowed me to feel comfortable being the weirdo. Uh, worst case scenario is that they saved my life. So let's ride this lightning. Let's just push the music picks aside and let's just, let's just name names and talk about who's been, who, who, who is this, um, haloed, uh, messenger of, well, to the it's there's a documentary about a, an artist named Ralph Steadman. Mm, yes, Ralph, Ralph Steadman was the guy who did the illustrations for Hunter S. Thompson, and his his work is great. But there's a movie that uh, Johnny Depp of all people produced, and he interviewed him at, in his studio in his estate, and and it happened at a it happened at a um. I suppose a pretty, or I saw it at a pretty vulnerable time in my life when I was kind of screaming myself hoarse, trying to, trying to make things better as much as I could. Like I want to be a positive influence and I was just feeling really impotent, really sort of ineffectual. And this interview at one point, he, I'm paraphrasing, but Hunter or Ralph Steadman says, you know, we, we like, we went, we lived through the Nixon administration and the Vietnam war, and we were going to change the world and we were going to, you know, we were going to take down the corrupt politicians and we were going to write social injustices and so on and so forth. And he's like, and then the Reagan administration happened and then the Bush administrations happened. And he's like, we didn't change shit. We didn't change shit. We didn't affect anything. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm like with my mouth open watching the television and I was like, you, but yeah, but you change, you changed things. You made things better for me. You know, that's not changing the world, but that's, that's changing somebody's world. It's not, not changing the world. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I'm looking at like, then I'm looking at like people like Gandhi and Martin Luther King and, you know, they had these huge platforms and they put all of this amazing effort into writing social injustices and, and so on. And, and the world's still a fucked up place, you know, but, but it, so I guess like my observation was if, if these people feel 
uh, dis disempowered disenfranchised disenfranchised sure uh then like what the fuck am i doing you know like i gotta be nicer to myself if these people feel this way then then i gotta just like narrow my focus a little bit so that was one ralph steadman and i got to meet him finally ultimately and i sat down next to him and I, I said, I promised myself that if I ever got the opportunity to, to meet you and tell you this, that I would. And he, I don't even think he remembered the interview. <laughs> that, that's, like, that, that, that's another layer to the whole thing is he didn't even remember talking about it. But it 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 solidified a lot of pretty um, disjointed ideas in my brain. And I was fortunate to be able to express that to him. And was he that, was he gracious about, you know, uh, your, your expression of thanks? Oh yeah. He's, he's extremely kind. And I had my sketchbook with me and he, he drew a, he did a drawing in my sketchbook and signed it. Oh wow. Personalized it. It was, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, All right. And the other guy was Gary Scott Davis, uh, first sponsored street skater. Hmm. And we had a few exchanges over the years. I'd mail, I'd send him mail when I was young, like, like a sophomore in high school. And he was my favorite. He was one of my favorite pros. You know, he was just such a fucking nine ball. And, um, we ended up, <clears throat> I don't know, after, uh, after many years, uh, he ended up on Instagram that somebody sent me a link and it was a photo of a typewriter. And he's like, well, I guess we'll take oh, it all the man. way back. And I mean, I've written about it. I, I ended up using that typewriter. He gave me the typewriter. It's such a long and meandering story. Uh, I used the typewriter to make a fanzine that ended up going into the Smithsonian collection about it's the fanzine about him and about my relationship with this person who was just living their life. But, I was paying really close attention to it, you know, thousands of miles away, but it was making, you know, he made my, he was not solely responsible, but partially responsible for making my life livable. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, he was doing his thing and those ripples from his just, just existing traveled all the way to 30 years later and and the Smithsonian and you just never know, you know, it might be this conversation that we're having that resonates with someone and that will affect something positive in their life. If not immediately, then maybe 30 years from now, you know, you yeah. just, you have no way to tell. So those are my, those are my stories. And it's interesting that you picked this topic today uh, because I've been thinking about it so much recently. Well, uh, I'm going to navigate into cringy waters right now because you know, I think I, like, we're the same age and we have, you know, very similar life experience. Um, but I think like in 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 the context of of riding bikes and like not even the context of riding bikes, but like the the context of having a cycling lifestyle, you know, because at some point I, I don't know where the line is and I don't know that it matters that much. But like the the act of riding bikes becomes so embedded in your life that it is your lifestyle right mm -hmm. yeah and i think in the in the process of that happening for me to me etc 
I'm not even um, kidding that your work with how to avoid the bummer life and then and then later all have the black market was actually important to me. And I think there's probably a bunch of listeners who feel that way, which is that, you know, the whole time that there was this dominant story about, oh, Jesus Christ, like it goes back to like the Lance ages, um, you know, the whole time that cycling was telling this story about cancer, Jesus, and, um, you know, what, what high end cycling should look like and whatever. I feel like you, you were almost singular in being like, Hey, if you're not having fun and if you're not goofing off with your friends, then you're doing it wrong. And, and I remember when I, uh, encountered how to avoid the bummer life thinking, oh, fuck, yes, this is it. Exactly. This is exactly, you know, because you want to, when the bike is your life, y- you want to be in some kind of coherent practice of it. I- I'm not saying that very well, but you, you know, like you want to find your place in cycling. Because yeah, I, well, that's I think that's just an aspect of being a a a, a, a person who's not a hermit, you know. Right. You got to find your like, place, right? It, it's just part of being a human. And I think that your work staked out this place that was very familiar to me, which was it is totally just have fun, just you know, try not to be a dick <laughs> on the bike. <clears throat> Try not to like shut people out. And, you know, I've been successful and unsuccessful along the way at at, like being a good ambassador or whatever. Not that I ever consciously took on took on that project. Maybe I did. I don't know. Um, You know, so I'm not saying like, oh, and then once I knew what I wanted to do, I was great at it. But I just think like, you know, that was definitely your work was definitely uh, an inspiration to me in how I wanted to be in the bike world. I appreciate that. Um, and I, and I have to then like, look at, look at BMX, you know, from like, like the old SE racing team mm. where they had this like renovated school bus with a giant cannon turret on top <laughs> and uh, Scott Brythop and, um, uh, Perry Kramer were taking out like, <clears throat> you know, the parents were just like, well, here's, you know, 14 fucking 12 year olds, like go drive <laughs> around the case. It was total chaos, you know, it, but yeah. it, it just looked like so much, so much fun. Everything that BMX action was doing. And Bob Osborne was shooting these insane photos of people just, just like they, everybody just looked delirious all the time. They were so happy. And, um, you know, and I think that like FBM and Steve Crandall, I think, I mean, I know that he's influenced. He was influenced by all of that stuff because he's, he's our age and he came up in sort of that, like the golden age of BMX where it was not just kids, on, you know, Joe kid on a stingray, but it was uh purpose built bikes. And there was, a, there was a little bit more money being thrown at it, but uh, you know, there were magazines and shoes and there was like an industry around it. 
but it still had this, to my mind, in my perspective, uh, it still had this real purity. And uh, I suppose that's, I mean, that's all I ever wanted was, we've talked about this in other episodes, was just to like goof around with my friends in a, in a vacant lot. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think, but I think you, it, we talk a, lot, a bunch about music, right? And and how like you have to hear from someone you trust that a certain band is good, and then you go listen to that band, and like maybe you have a friend or a couple of friends who they they're kind of like they know what direction to point you in at any given time. And so I think like you know you were that guy in the '90s, late '90s, who was being like, "Don't look at this shit." that's on TV or that the industry is trying to <laughs> force feed you. Maybe look at this shit instead, a little whack job, goofball nonsense. Uh, and that that's good. I think, I think maybe is the, and that's sort of the pivotal word in that is that I, I mean, I, I don't like being told what to do or what's, what's cool. Cause it's, it rarely is. Yeah. And, and so to say, like, there's there's just all of these other flavors. It's not just the one that's. It's not just the one that's being pushed. Right. Uh, and I, I tend to be I don't know, I'm just suspect of the bicycle industry. Well, and, it's just, you know, anytime there's money involved, there's bullshit involved. Right. It's like when you're watching TV and they come on and they're like a collectible stamp set that you can get for night like. First of all, if you had to tell me it was collectible, it's definitely not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so I've, I never, that, I've never I've never been bullshitted in, into like buying something stupid like that, except twice. <laughs> and there is <laughs> a pretty funny story. I was talking about this. Uh, there's a this tune up bike festival that just happened in Bellingham this past weekend. And it was the first sort of bike festival I've been to in a couple of years. And, uh, I was at the last, I don't know, the, not the last Sea Otter I was at, but it was one of the last Sea Otters I was at. Like I prided myself on getting out of Vegas or getting out of, uh, or getting out of Interbike and trade show. I just refer to it as Vegas. And I assume that everybody knows what I'm talking about, but getting out of the Interbike trade show or the Sea Otter without anything. Like I didn't, I don't, I didn't buy anything. I would, I didn't get anything thing that was offered to me unless it was you know some tire sealant or something that i needed i was never i was like shirt on my back in and out and you know maybe i even can't i maybe i left with less shit than i than i went in <laughs> with and i was walking to my buddy uh andrew kemp from shimano handsome andrew kemp he uh he was giving me a ride i guess back to oakland and I'm walking out of the venue and this guy comes out of nowhere and he's like, Hey, he's got this like heating, cool heating pad with this gel and you push this little button and it turns hot and then you can put it in a big tub of boiling water and then it makes the stuff and it's soft again and you can fold it up and it comes in this little, and I don't know, this guy kind of had a, like an East coast accent and he fucking doused me in snake oil and i was like yep i need one of those <laughs> and like 30 seconds later i was like what did i just i just paid like 40 dollars for this thing that i absolutely don't want i don't need actually it took a little bit it took a little bit longer because i 
I like got this thing and I got it home and I showed my ex because I she was like really into like body work and stuff and I was like look at this cool thing and it and just the look on her face <laughs> and I was just like ah oh, fuck this is useless <laughs> so that <laughs> that was that was one and then the magic bullet which is like a personal blender oh I yeah totally personal got blender. tricked because the ad is these two shiny happy people in this kitchen and these other two people who are like clearly hung over this woman's like wearing a house coat and she's smoking a cigarette and and the two shiny happy people are like you can make alfredo sauce or guacamole you want a margarita you want a bloody mary and it was just like oh my god you can <laughs> you can make all this all of this stuff with this little machine i was like i got to have it that's so cool and i bought one and it fucking sucked yeah so there's there's my two stories about getting duped. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but why? Wait, why did I bring that up? Well, we were just talking about, you know, like if someone is like you, this is the thing you need. Oh. If you tell me this is the thing I need, I definitely pro- right. I don't. Yeah, no, I, I always I always can maneuver around that stuff. And I was not sold by what the industry was telling me it needed to look like or it, it needed to feel like. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, I still, I still believe that. I still believe that there's, you know, uh, if you want to ride in jeans, hiking boots, ride in jeans and hiking boots. Yeah. There's Bike Magazine, you know, back to Bryce, like Bike Magazine in its early days was really good about that. They, they, there was a, team that came from Africa, mountain bike team that came from Africa, like these five black dudes flew to Denver, got on a bus, showed up to Vail for a nationals race with no bikes. And they were loaned bikes and like dark skin, you know, and that's something that you weren't seeing a lot of in mountain biking in the nineties. Yeah. And Bike Magazine wrote this huge feature on these guys and their adventure from, you know, the other side of the planet to come ride bikes in arguably one of the richest, whitest places in the state of Colorado. Yeah. And it didn't make a fucking blip on anybody else's radar. You know, they did articles about cyclocross. They did. There's one article called The Caveman of Encino, I think, or maybe I'm. Oh, yeah, you sent that to me uh, some months ago. Was it Encino or am I mixing the Polly Shore? No, I think it was Encino. Okay. The guy with the uh, ape hanger bars riding gnarly, gnarly off-road. Yeah. Yeah. These, I mean, so for people who haven't read it, it's, it's this, these two, the guy who's writing the article is he and his buddy are on a mountain bike ride and they've got these fancy bikes with the bells and the whistles and all the stuff. And then this shirtless Hessian dude with long hair and no shirt. Oh, I sorry. said that. Uh, you know, jeans, big boots. He rides up on this little like kid's pixie bikes with spoky dokes on it. And they chit chat for a second. And this guy just fucking takes off down the hill. It's like ripping these trails. And they're both looking at each other with all their shit. Just kind of like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> wow, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> so that idea that was promoted through that magazine that, you yeah. know, like it's bike. It's a, it's about bikes. Yeah. So yeah. don't, it's not. It's not cam loops. It's not knee pads. It's not driving around in your sprinter, but that's what's being promoted because that's what advertisers want. Like, I don't think a magazine like early bike that just was all over the map 
as it was, I don't think something like that could exist now, which is really a shame because it, it, it sort of loses that. Um, it loses the mystique. It loses the, there's no weirdos. Yeah. Everybody's just a, everybody that I saw this weekend was just a, it's like a carbon copy. Yeah. It was, it's really, it's really strange to me, but the outliers, the outsiders, that stuff has always appealed to me. And so that's what I want to promote. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, um, I, right now I'm really inspired by, uh, uh, I read a lot of physics, <laughs> which I can't really explain why, but I find physics thrilling. And, uh, there's a guy named Carlo Rovelli. He's, a he does research in loop quantum gravity. He's an Italian guy who I think he teaches at a university or is at a research university in France, but he writes all these books and, um, his last book. So a lot of it's about sort of like the state of play in, in, in current physics and it's accessible, right? I'm not very clever. So I'm not, you know, I'm not like looking at equations and thinking, Oh yeah, oh, I see what you're going for here. <laughs> but, um, it's all, you know, he's trying to make that stuff accessible but he's written this book of essays uh, or he's published this book of essays and it's about everything from like politics, philosophy and whatever. And what I find out is he's a he's a nine ball. He's like, uh, you know, he talks about the student uprisings in Italy in the, in the late 70s that he was part of and how he thinks politics is, you know, sort of bankrupt. We need an all inclusive. But, you know, he just goes through all of this stuff. And it's it's people like that who um, really inspire me to like open my mind even further than it is like i don't want to get corny and this this isn't this episode isn't going to air until you know 2042 so this will be weird <laughs> to people but you know like we're living in a very polarized you're this or you're that kind of um culture right now and it's just garbage it's just garbage you yeah. know like it's just such a narrow and closed way to think and so i'm really inspired by people who who are just above it. They're just like <clears throat> truth there tellers is, and truth seekers. There is a trend of anti intellectualism for sure. And, uh, I actually just sent you this article. That's that something we were talking about before we started recording, but I sent you an article where it talks about like the, the literacy rate in America is like basically like everybody is at sort of like a majority of people are in an eight, eighth grade reading comprehension. Yeah. Which is as great if we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. I mean, people tend to read what things that they already know they're going to agree with. Um, which, you know, is a natural human tendency, but like, you know, just to evaluate, I'm just, I'm inspired by people who evaluate that stuff and step back and say, nope, nope, that doesn't make sense. That's, you know, bought and paid for by this or that's influenced by that. You know, another person uh, that I find inspiring is this is going to make me sound like such a pseudo intellectual douchebag, which is probably accurate. But, um, you know, Noam Chomsky has uh, the linguist has written so much about, you know, the 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 bankruptcy of war as as a way to change the course of history just all of these things that sort of like back out from the way we are and say hey let's let's think about all of this differently mm -hmm. and i think the biggest one of the biggest challenges we have is people are not willing to consider other options 
And I'm not talking about considering the option of the person diametrically opposed to you. I'm saying, okay, you are a liberal or a conservative or, a, or you're religious or you're not religious. I'm not talking about considering the position of the person opposite at you. I'm, what I'm talking about is considering your own position and trying to see where you're wrong and how, how things could be different. That's, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to make any giant blanket state statements here, but that's, that's critical thought. Yeah. That's what we've lost. Yeah. As a society, maybe globally, not lost, not entirely, but like, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of that going around. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, you know, for me that connects to, we talk about, again, we talk about music a lot. And I'm interested in music that isn't catchy, <laughs> that's trying to say, hey, like I made a joke to someone the other day. We, I was listening to a band and I said, you know, I think that when I envision these guys or these people playing this music, they're standing in a room and they're like kind of like working at their instruments. And then they look at each other occasionally and they th- they say, is this music? <laughs> are we is this it are we doing music right now or is this no this is garbage let's keep going and maybe we'll make something that sounds that's the music i'm interested in except uh, when it comes to say like the grateful dead and there's always somebody who's like oh you just haven't heard the right you know you gotta listen to this one track they recorded in monterey in 1967 which actually just happened this weekend this guy swear he's like this is the darkest fucking gnarliest shit that the that the dad ever did and i i'm not i don't care for the music i love the dead's ethos and you know the idea that they were like one of the first punk rock bands because they lived communally they put their yeah. own records out they booked their own tours they made their own rules they were essentially like dirty fugazi right in the in the uh, upper hate in the 60s um but this track that this dude sent me because i don't have spotify so i can only listen to you know parts it sounded like somebody pushed a whole room full of musical instruments down some stairs (laughs) (laughs) well when you put it that way it doesn't sound more attractive (laughs) to me (laughs) (laughs) that's what i heard and you know i because i couldn't hear the i couldn't hear the whole track and i maybe i'm sure this guy there's like tens of thousands of bootlegs all over the world so i don't know if i'll ever be able to find this one and uh but yeah it just does you know i don't know i don't maybe know. you don't have to work that hard on converting there most of them a, are dead now uh yeah except bob ironically dead unironically dead yeah. well no there's like all of them are alive aren't they except for jerry i don't know well, i don't care i think there's more of them that are dead i, but I, I hope that i don't i'm I, sorry i don't keep up i hope they're doing well, the remaining, yeah. uh, there was somebody who was trying to convince, uh, uh, well, no, I had, so I follow Steve Albini on, on Twitter and his Twitter feed is incredible. Um, Steve Albini and, of big black and shellac of North America and yeah. recording every record you ever liked. Go on. Yeah. That guy, uh, noted cat lover as well. <laughs> um, he, what? Oh, I, one thing he wrote at one point, he's like, God, give me the confidence of people who are. Tra- oh, no, somebody else actually said this uh, is God. Give me the confidence of people who are trying to convince Steve Albini that he just hasn't heard the right Grateful Dead song yet. 
and it, you know, some people yeah. were like, no, you just have to, you have to listen to fucking, you know, it's like Dallas in 1969. It's the, the knocking on heaven's door. It's, just, it's epic. It'll totally change your life. But people were like, you know, flooding his feed with the, you just haven't heard the right Grateful Dead song yet. I tried to get in that, um, that frame of mind. Like when I, in my late teens, I was smoking a lot of weed and I, and it seemed like a good idea to try to understand that whole sort of hippie resurgent grateful dead thing. Um, but I have too much ADD for that. Um, it never, it it never landed for me. Didn't work out. Yeah. Then I, I, then I heard Fugazi and I was like, Oh, never mind." Oh, Hey, it's story time with Steve. When I was eight or nine years old, my mom and dad bought me my first BMX bike. It was a JC Penny free spirit. And in time I, went on to put some nice accessories and components on it, like a tough neck stem and CW bars, which just made it sort of the embodiment of putting a nice frame on a shitty painting. One day I was hanging out at the local bike shop, which during the winter was a ski shop. It was a little tiny place run by this guy named Andy. And one day he gave me a 10 inch long die cut Shimano sticker. It was blue I didn't really know what Shimano was or anything about it, but I put it on my top tube and immediately made the bike 150% cooler. It was around that time that I probably became a lifelong Shimano guy. I stumbled across, I was wandering around San Francisco in the late 80s, I guess. Yeah, I guess it would probably be 80, 88 or something. And I, I just happened into a Jerry Garcia performance. <laughs> like he was, he was on this, <laughs> he was on the stage, uh, in Golden Gate Park playing. And I stood there and I watched a couple songs and I was like, huh, huh, all right. I'm on my way. And then, you know, like I, <laughs> so I didn't get to, I never saw the dead, but in my life, I was privy to at least a partial performance Hmm. uh and i think he did i think it was like you know one of the radio hits like touch of gray or something so it was like the one song that everybody kind of put him on the pop pop charts yeah and it's you know it's like i just want to go see nirvana so they want to play that one radio song or i just you know like i don't want to hear the whole catalog i just want to hear that one song that everybody's familiar with yeah um so we jumped right into what and who inspires you. Or we kind of, so the two questions we have are what inspires you and what are you trying to inspire in other people through your work? Right. Um, I think we kind of like, we pretty well crushed question two. Yep. What inspires you? Did we cover um, that? Fun, yeah. fun inspires me. That's it. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Uh, chaos inspires me a bit. I like I like um, uh, artists and people who sort of embrace chaos and uh, are willing to like break some things t- to try to like put something new together. That inspires. Like I, I'm not trying to. That's uh, again. That sounds like pseudo intellectual garbage. But no, that's really what I'm into. Like I'm into musicians that are trying to kind of like do something chaotically. I'm intri- I'm into bike rides that are somewhat chaotic. Um, that don't necessarily follow a point A to point B. I'm into, um, artists 
I was just talking with a friend about the movie that's uh, been out this year, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is very chaotic and totally brilliant. I've heard of that. Yeah. You need to see it. It's visually uh, everything. It's visually overwhelming. And, And everywhere and all at once. It is. I mean, it's right in the title. It is right in the title. <clears throat> I will put it on my list. Uh, likewise, honesty. Yes. In in either you know in uh, honesty in work in effort in output. I think that I like that physical things. I love. I've always loved seeing spaces where stuff is made. Mm-hmm. Um, m- most because visual art is s- such a uh, important foundational part of my life and who I am and, um, seeing painting studios and I need, or, or whatever, you know, like the, the clutter and the, you know, the, the, the cans of brushes and the racks of stretched canvases and paper and drawings and ideas to see finished work in a museum, I think is, is sort of does a disservice or a gallery it does a disservice for the work because you're looking at the final product and not the process that got the product there. And that I, I really adore. This is kind of what I'm saying about chaos. Like if you go into an artist studio, you can see like a, 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 a maelstrom of kind of ideas and technique and mess. And it's, and in the end it coheres into this beautiful thing. Or yeah. an expressive thing, even if it's not beautiful. But um, and I think that's sort of I'm really, really interested because my mind is chaotic and I'm really interested in how people take, you know, all the mess and like bring it together into yeah. coherent work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think that's one of the coolest. Just one of the coolest things in in life, um, how the human brain takes all of these crumbs bits and pieces interactions engagements things that you see things that you feel uh uh and 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 turns it into like a finished physical thing yeah um sketchbooks are the same same thing like looking and through looking through people's sketchbooks because none of that stuff is really supposed to be seen it's like your own a person's own private journal and journey and to and to look at just you know little notes or you know stream of consciousness mumbo jumbo and how it all fits nicely in this little bound edition i think is that i love that i I wish i had more visual art in my life right now i don't i don't have it i definitely feel sort of anemic in terms of uh influence um but historically, yeah, those those things I really I really love. Uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, and you know, like burritos, bad decisions. Bad not, decisions are inspiring. Not getting COVID. Uh, canned beer. <laughs> funny coffee. people, coffee, funny people, animals. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of animals. The, I had two stories that I wanted to tell you. 
uh, before we get to the would you rather, my older son got his driver's license since last time we recorded. And um, he, we went and did it. And, you know, the it, the what what you call it, the instructor, the evaluator person, he was like a retired PE coach. That was his vibe. And so, so we go yeah, out we and all, do that. We all know that we all know the type for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we go out and do the test and we come back to the to the DMV, the RMV, whatever it's called. And um, he says, I'm going to pass you, but you were pretty aggressive. Uh, and then he looks at me and he said, did you feel that he was aggressive? And I was like, uh, what am I supposed to say? Am I going to disagree with this guy? And then like shaft my kids. So he doesn't get his license. So I was like, oh yeah, so aggressive. We'll talk about that. And so he's like, yeah, I just want you to slow down. Young men are all, you know, impatient and you just gotta, you know, be safe. And so he goes through this whole thing and he's like, uh, I'm not trying to put a, a damper on this cause I know it's a big deal for you, but I just needed to say that. And so you'll get your license in seven to 10 days and he gets out of the car and, uh, I get out of the back seat and I get in the front and, and Owen, my son looks at me and says, seize it, de get degrees, bitch. And then he pulls out of <laughs> <at> the spot. <laughs> oh, and, and in did that punch moment, did, did he absolutely punch it like out of the parking lot? Like he didn't, just he, sideways? Didn't, he didn't like squeal tires, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he was definitely like, he said, he said to me after a minute, he's like, I saw that he had checked past before he started to give that whole speech, I was like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking like in that moment, my heart swelled. Right. And I, I loved him so much. I was proud of him and I thought he was hilarious and I was just so in love. And I thought to myself, this is probably how steve feels when he meets <laughs> random animals at <laughs> cookouts. This is the level of love I feel for my kid now. I think uh, I've reached Steve meeting a new cat level of love. That's that's an intense that's an intense love. Uh and you have so far to so far to fall when when you get down on your hands and knees and you do the ps, 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 and they just walk away from you. Oh yeah. 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 You you were not chosen. Yeah. Oof. Well, well, good I'm, for good for him. I'm I'm proud of him. That's a I hate that like the rite of passage in this culture is you get a driver's license and then you can enlist for military service. Yeah. Or or sign up for the draft or whatever that is that you do when you're 18, but you still can't drink alcohol, you know? You can die for your country, but you can't drink alcohol. Yeah. And likewise, women can't be in control of their own bodies, but they certainly can get driver's licenses. Everything, nothing makes sense to me anymore right. and increasingly so as as every day passes. But whatever, different topic for a different time. I'm proud of your boy. <laughs> and he uh, hopefully he doesn't. He what's it? Uh, Jesse, Uncle Jesse always told keep it between the ditches, Daisy. Yeah, so far he's keeping it between the ditches, but I'm I am very proud of him because he has the chaos in him too. Yeah. Um so I appreciate that. But let's get to the, oh, we should do music picks and then would you rather and then ski daddle. Okay. Uh what are we at? 30 something 40 minutes? Oops. Something like that. Excuse people me, are just... uh, most people have already clicked away. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, you go, you go. I got one, and you got so, one. Uh, so musically, I just want to say we we generally fail to mention who rides the tiger, Bandini Mountain, which is our intro and outro music. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. Um, we do you, we used to, uh, right. but yeah, who rides the tiger? It's uh, the album is Transylvania, baby. And it's real, real good. But that's that track that we use is uh, that was like a new song that they wrote for the remastered version of that record. And my buddy Bill, who is in that band, as well as Ozorn, who is sort of a musical prodigy in his own right. Uh, he very graciously let us use that song for this podcast. So it's a great Tiger. one. It's a great one. And if you if you <clears throat> want that record on vinyl album. You can get it from All Hail the Black Market. Yeah, I still have some. And if still? I, for a little while, yeah. And then Bill has some as well. So, you know, worst comes to worst, there's still a copy floating around out in if the If you own a gramophone, you should get one. <laughs> a Victrola. <laughs> yes. Um, but my, what I've been listening to mostly this week is Off. Great band. Um, which is Keith Morris from Circle Jerks. Um. And some other guys who are great. Uh, Mario, Mario Rubicava played drums for them for a while. I don't know if he still is currently, but he was their drummer yeah. for a number of years. If you like, um, you know, sneery, fast, hardcore, it's a great thing to listen to. I'm enjoying it a lot. I find that I listen to hardcore a lot in summer. The mm. cheerfulness of summer makes me want to <laughs> listen to hardcore. So I've been listening to Off this week. What, what's your pick? Well, I was going to ask, have you seen, have you ever seen off? Not live. No. Oh, they, it's real good. I, uh, before I saw them in uh, Minneapolis a number of years ago, the first time. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what, what is this guy still mad about? You know? <laughs> and that, cause he's, he's old. He's old as fuck, you know? Yeah. But then as soon as he got on stage, I was like, Oh, right. <laughs> everything. Yeah. Like, there's everything to be mad about. Yeah. And he's a, he's a, God, he's a character. I'm, yes. I'm not mad at him, but like just listening to him and his like between song banter and interviews. And he's like really the, the adage of like, you know, after they made him, they broke the mold. It really applies. There's no one on earth that I've ever come across. That's like that guy. He was in black flag. Um, yeah. and, I, and I can see why that didn't work out. <laughs> to really between him and Greg, like really, really, really strong personalities. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, he was in circle jerks and now, and I don't know, he's probably, he's had, he's been in, he's been all, he's been all over the place. Been he's all been over doing the place. this shit for, since I was a, a baby practically. Yes. yes. And, I, and I'm old as fuck now. So, um, Okay, that's a good one. Uh, mine, it, I revisited. There was a band called Engine Eighty Eight. Uh, they had a couple records on three records, I think, on Caroline Records. So that really dates them. That was this is early nineties. Um, and they did an album called Clean Your Room that I have recently revisited consistently, like like super consistently. And I never knew them. I know they were from Oakland. I know that we traveled in the same circles, but I never knew any of them. And I 
And I'm not sure what became of any of them. I think a number of them are still playing music in various projects, but uh, Engine 88 kind of, it's kind of, I don't know if I, I don't know. I can't, I don't have enough adjectives. I can't describe it. It's good. It's very listenable, not terribly angry, interesting lyrical content laden with hooks aplenty. Yeah. You know, and it's easily, it's easy to sing along to. And that's the only, I only like music I could sing along to. I have, I associate Caroline records with sort of like a fast jangly alterna pop vibe. Um, yeah, they had, it kind of, they kind of had a little, but it was, there's, is a little thicker than that. Like there's, I don't know, to my ear, there's maybe jangly isn't fair. Jang, it's like a, it's like a crunchy jangle crunch. Yeah. Well, I think in the, in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, that's what that punk rock sounded like that. Yeah. Everything wasn't like detuned and, and super bassy and crunchy. It was, there was a lot of just fast, a lot of just fast. There's a good, there's a lot of good shit that came out of it. You know, they're like J church and, um, yeah. and, uh, uh, all the, everything on center, center block, uh, Jesus, what was, um, there's another, there's another one that just came into my mind that left. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff happening in the Bay area that wasn't operation Ivy and it wasn't green day. Right. And it was actually, I thought considerably more interesting. Anyway, engine 88, that's my pick. Love it. Uh, uh, would you rather time for, would you rather now that we're closing in on maybe an hour, would you rather have no fingernails and toenails or no eyebrows and eyelashes. Hmm. Um, Before you answer, let's just think about the consequences. So you have no fingernails and toenails. You're never peeling a sticker again in your life. Yeah. Well, I was wondering, like, is it is it raw nail bed or is it just smooth? It's just I like think it's just skin. It's just skin. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, it would be raw for a little while and then it would just be soft. But you never have to clip them ever again. Sometimes when we do this, I get I get a little panicky. Like if I <laughs> whatever answer I give is going to be my fate. <laughs> that's that's how this works. <laughs> like I, Oh, Jesus, I got to eat a whole shark now because I said <laughs> that I would. I'm sending someone to your house. <laughs> um, I would uh, I would go with fingernails because I think there's a, or and toenails. I think there's a workaround. I mean, I understand the importance of them. Um, you could get a, like a guitar pick, you know how they put those, like, uh, it's, it would almost be like a prosthetic nail oh, uh, or something carry that, that around. Yeah. Loop on your fingers so that you could dig stuff out or scratch itches or whatever. Um, but eyelashes and eyebrows, uh, eyebrows keep sweat out of your eyes. Eyelashes keep in dirt and shit out of your eyeballs. Like I think, I think I would just end up with so much crust and so much junk in my, in my eyeballs that it would drive me crazy in pretty short order. So I'm going to go with fingernails and toenails. Well, you, I'm going to put this out there. You have stunning eyebrows. <laughs> Thank you. They're pretty, they're pretty angry. Like I've, I used to like, people would pick fights with me when I was younger. They were a lot more abrupt, like a lot more like pointy when i was younger plus I, you know they were they're big anyway yeah 
Yeah. Uh, and people would like, kind of like pick fights with me when I was like walking around with my dad and shit, like shoulder bump me and stuff. Cause I think they just thought I was like vibing them. Like I, I think I have the original resting bitch face. Right. <laughs> just, I, I just look mad. My eyebrows, especially in the last five years have, they're, they're kind of like, it's almost like the, my eyebrows were in solitary confinement. And just finally, we're like, we're out. We, we're not going to live in this cell anymore. And so, they're so they're so pale. Their skin is clear. They're just jailbreaking all the yeah. time. So I've got like white ones that aren't that are like bristly and they poke me in the eye all the time. I'm like full <laughs> Beethoven, the little ivory statue that you would get on your piano at piano lessons when you were a kid in the 70s. I don't know my eyebrow. So I'm so mad at my eyebrows most of the time because I'm like, you know, I'm out riding and the wind is blowing and like, why is my eyebrow? How is it? It shouldn't be possible for your eyebrow to be in your eye. You know, you can you can do something about that. I know. Like my you wife, get a, you get a fine tooth comb and you brush them up and you trim them and you get all those like errant hairs. Keep keep those. It's a little it's man. It's manscaping. Yeah. Manscape your face. Manscape your face. It's not just like trimming your sideburns or whatever. You gotta, you gotta handle that stuff. I I hate that. My wife handles it. Wax your, wax your nose hairs, you know? The nose hair is terrible too. Keep yourself presentable. I don't care for it. I don't, this hygiene thing you you speak of, (laughs) not for me. Thanks. (laughs) So Uh. at the same time, I feel like uh, if I didn't have eyebrows or eyelashes, people would give me a wide berth, and I'm okay with that, too. I feel like, you know, there's a secondary benefit where people are like, well, I don't want to know what's up with that. Well, that's what happens for people with alopecia. Sure. Lose all your hair. It's an, auto- it's an autoimmune disorder Correct. where your body, your body re- rejects its hair, right? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's what it is. It's Where? really, it's really gnarly. I have a friend whose son developed, developed it in, in middle school. And, um, he was, he's always felt he's, he's a really sweet kid, but he has always felt a little out of place because of it, you know? And I've, sure, I've sure. told him, I'm like, this is going to work to your advantage. Like, I know this is hard now, but you're going to be, this is going to make you really strong and independent. Like you, because you are, you're going to know who you are and you, you're going to own it. You know, yeah, yeah. um, we're easy for me to say, cause I fucking have more body hair than I know what to do with. But, um, <laughs> he was at, uh, he was one day I was visiting and he and his sister and his cousin had gone down to the Dairy Queen and they were just, you know, like little kids do, they go and they stared in the, at the, all the cakes. And this woman felt sorry for him cause she thought he had cancer. So she bought him an ice cream cake and they brought this huge cake back and they were just <laughs> fucking out of their minds Steve you were right (laughs) it was really sweet because you could see the gears turning he was kind of like oh this I actually could maybe use this to my advantage I just bought I have more ice cream than anyone in the whole world because somebody thought that that I had cancer yeah I don't know it was kind of it was just sort of a funny interaction we're like where did you get this this huge it was like five pounds of ice cream. And yeah. he, he's like, yeah, the lady thought I had cancer. So she bought it. <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't correct her. This lady you thought know? I had cancer. She, she decided to give me diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my 
god. No, I understand that that can be uh, uh, alopecia can be uh, alienating and isolating and and difficult for people. I'm 50 now imagine. and I'm married and I've reproduced, so I'm ready to be alienated from people. Um, and I'm okay with that. Just just let yourself go. Let your old man eyebrows go berserk yeah. in the wind. Old tenable uh, face. So you're picking uh, fingernails and to- no fingernails and toenails too? Um, no, I'm going to keep my fingernails and toenails and go no eyebrows, no eyelashes. Oh, you, but you just do this to do the opposite of me. Sometimes I do, but I, actually I think life would be pretty difficult without fingernails. And you could be right. I might miss eyebrows and eyelashes. I mean, the other thing there is that gives you the opportunity to paint them back on. Yeah, I was going to say you get fingernails tattooed on your on your fingers. Yeah. So it looks like you have. You could get like super cartoony ones or you could get. You could get like real, real nice, uh, you know, like um, cosmetically tattooed, you know, people like there are tattoo artists that that donate their time for women who've had mastectomies. Right. Or or what's it is that you don't lose a nipple in a mastectomy. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. Yeah. So they like people get uh, nipples tattooed back on. Right. Um, so you can do there's all manner. You could do tri-level knuckle tats. You could have like a whole, you know, you could do like these and then these and then where the fingernails like, are. <laughs> you could get a whole a third, a third bunch of, of stuff. Knuckle or fourth row of knuckles on the ends of your fingers. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, I'm I'm sticking with I'm sticking with mine. So right. we'll be we'll be the guys that have no eyebrows and no eyelashes and no fingernails. We'll right. go on the Jim Rose circus sideshow circuit uh okay well i think that puts us uh, almost at an hour and uh let's get out of here thank you robot thanks for listening to revolting if you have any questions for us or topics you'd like for us to pontificate on you can email me at stevel at cyclingindependent.com and if you like this or any of the other fun stuff you find on the cycling independent please share it with a friend uh as it's the only way that we can keep this party going. And what was that? What we used to say, um, for the price of a ramen, you can buy us another ramen, another ramen. I like that. Uh, But seriously, pass this thing along. Like if you listen to this and you chuckle, everyone needs a chuckle. Send it to somebody else. Don't keep it to yourself. Maybe that's the, um, maybe that's the pebble in the water. You know, this, everything that we're doing here resonates with absolutely no one who's listening to it. But somebody who's not listening to it, this might be exactly what they need. They might need it. Don't don't Uh, keep it from them. On behalf of the Cycling Independent, I'm Steeple. And I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it. Don't do it. Better than that.